Go beyond the headlines with the new MSNBC app. Get real-time analysis from live blogs to in-depth essays, video highlights from your favorite shows, and the latest updates on the 2024 election. Visit msnbc.com slash app to download. midterm elections and baby the stakes could not be any higher a point that both president joe biden and former president barack obama have been making every single day when true democracy goes away people get hurt it has real life consequences it's not some abstract political science question we are all affected and and we take this for granted and we can't There are candidates running for every level of office in America, for governor, Congress, attorney general, secretary of state, who won't commit, they will not commit to accepting the results of election that they're running in. This is a path to chaos in America. It's unprecedented. It's unlawful. And it's un-American. Tonight, we'll spend the hour looking at Florida, once the perennial swing state and key to the 2000 election. It's now effectively the home base of the MAGA movement, led by wannabe president and current governor Ron DeSantis and failed presidential candidate and current senator Marco Rubio. Now, in the the past two years, this state has led the country when it comes to banning books, banning thought, banning history, banning speech, and restricting access to voting for former felons, which happens to be a vestige of the Jim Crow era. At stake in this state is if DeSantis will maintain his stranglehold and use it for his 2024 presidential ambitions. If Republicans can pick up five seats in Florida alone, they can retake control of the House. And whether or not the person representing Florida in the United States Senate will help pass a nationwide ban on abortion. But, oh, that's not all. Florida voters will also decide who represents their interests on county commissions and school boards. They will choose whether to retain the state's Supreme Court justices and whether to eliminate a group that can revise Florida's Constitution and more. Now, like I said, the stakes could not be any higher. Now, we're going to be joined momentarily by Congresswoman and state and state and Senate candidate Val Demings. And she's going to be here in just a bit. But right now. I am joined by former governor and current congressman Charlie Crist, who is the Democratic nominee for Florida governor. Uh, the once and perhaps future governor. How are you? Oh, God bless you. I'm doing And you great. were my governor when I was here. Yes, ma'am. That's right. And, and, that's know, right. I, it was an honor. And you were, you were a Republican uh, governor at the time. And the reason you didn't fit in is you're a nice guy. I don't think you would. You, I don't think I'm hurting your feelings, but so you're a nice man. I mean, I I've seen you, you know, with little kids getting down on the, you know, the floor to talk to them. I've seen you be so kind, you know, to people who are voters yep. and let them stay in line in 2008 when your party wanted you to shut the lines down and not let them vote. Um, you were teachers. You're like, no, you shouldn't lose your pension. And so I, but it was easier for you to win when you were a Republican, wasn't it? Because Republicans, they don't require as much. They, they follow the leader, right? They do, they do. Um, I wonder if maybe, maybe you're too nice to be governor of Florida. Do you think, no, do you, do, are you concerned that over the time since you've been governor, the state's gotten meaner 
and that maybe you are at this point too nice to be well I, i'm certainly not too nice but i think uh, too nice is what we need now more than ever uh, i think that people are yearning for more civility more decency uh, among the parties and among all americans yeah. and and i'm confident that's going to carry the day for us and women are going to be a huge factor as we all know joy in this race yeah. And the right to choose, I'm a champion of. DeSantis yeah. already signed the bill restricting a woman's right to choose. And it's so bad, it doesn't even include exceptions for rape or incest. Absolutely, yeah. Which is shocking. Yeah. You know, you brought this up during the debate uh, with uh, the current governor. I mean, a seventh grader, a, a kid, a child, was, was forced to leave this state uh, to get the procedure because the child had been raped. Yeah. And in this state, as you said, there are no exceptions. No, no exceptions. It, is that message getting through to voters, that the stakes here are whether or not a child, like that child, will get mercy, right, right? and be able right. to get health care? Is that message coming through loud and clear enough? I believe it is. And, and let me put it this way. So there's only two people left who are going to be the next governor of Florida, either myself yeah. or Ron DeSantis if he gets reelected. If Ron DeSantis gets reelected, a woman's right to choose will be gone in the state of Florida. They won't have that respect. They won't have that decision to make anymore. If, on the other hand, I get elected in five days from today, a woman's right to choose, I will sign an executive order on the first day of my administration to protect the woman's right to choose. So I've been, uh, I spent a lot of time on the radio this morning, you know, calling into radio stations and encouraging people to vote. I called a lot of black and Caribbean Russia. radio stations. Yes. And the message that I got back from those hosts was alarming to me, that the lines in communities of color, in black communities, are short. People are not lining up. People are not coming out and voting in the kind of numbers you're seeing in places like Georgia, in places like Pennsylvania. Um, and one of the things that a, a friend of mine who's down here works in politics told me is that she's hearing a lot of fear among black voters, that even if they've never done anything wrong, they've never had any kind of a criminal record or anything, the fear has been put into them by those arrests of black voters who had former felonies, thought they could vote, didn't know that they weren't eligible, voted, and Ron DeSantis' election police arrested them, and then they were prosecuted. The fe that worked, right? That's a Jim Crow tactic, and it has it worked is. on a lot of people. It's horrible. How can you reassure voters, and how do you get the communities that you need to win to actually come out and vote. Do exactly what you and I are doing right now. Encourage them to do that. Get out and vote. Exercise that right. So I served with John Lewis, great civil rights icon from Georgia, God rest his soul. And he used to always tell me and anybody who would listen, Charlie, your right to vote is precious. In fact, it's so precious, it's probably sacred. Well, it's very sacred in Absolutely. this election and very important in this race in Florida. And so all our Floridians have to get out and vote. We have Val Demings as our candidate for the U.S. Senate. God bless her. Wonderful. Going to really help with that minority turnout, which yeah. you had indicated is so vitally important. And I'm confident they're going to get out. So I'm excited about the race. I'm, I'm really, you know, concerned about the future of my state if Ron DeSantis were to get reelected. But these people are not going to let that happen. We're going to win. Let, let me ask you about Ron DeSantis because I, I remember, I remember in 2018, I was covering the Florida race at that time. He was running against Andrew Gillum, who is a unique political talent, wonderful guy, a wonderful human being, and a very kind, good man. He said, "Let's not monkey it up about his black opponent." Unbelievable. And that hurt him enough that that race was very tight. Razor he thin. Very tight. He won by only 39,000 votes. Right. Um, when you look at the number of people who stayed home, though, despite Andrew Gillum being a fantastic candidate, despite um, Ron DeSantis being a cruel man and showing that he thought it was funny to make a racial joke, right. despite that, 
the, the lack the people who didn't turn out, hundreds of thousands of people could have made the difference in that margin. What message can you give to people who've not made the connection between voting, right, and getting the government that they deserve? Well, just don't let that happen again. I mean, we should have learned from what happened in 2018. If just a few more people would have gotten out, we would have had a Democratic governor for the first time in like 25 years since Lawton Childs in Florida. This time, don't make that mistake again. Make sure that all your friends get out to vote, all your family members, just vote, vote, vote. As Barack Obama, President Obama, I should say, used to always say, when we vote, we win. Yeah. And so we have to take that to heart this election. So we are here in, uh, we are here in, uh, in, in, in Orlando, and of course Disney uh, is, is predominant here in Universal, et cetera. Uh, Ron DeSantis went after Disney. Um, it's going to cost this state about, what, $2 billion, and that's going to be passed along to the taxpayers here because someone's got to pay those bills. If Disney's right. not paying them, somebody's got to pay them. It's going to be the taxpayers. What would you do about that as governor? Is it possible to fix what he has done, uh, which he did out of spite? Absolutely, it's possible. And what we need to do is, is protect Walt Disney's districting that they got when they were lured to come to Florida. They're the largest employer in the state, Joy. And, you know, what they bring to tourism all around the state of Florida as well is hard to really estimate and get a handle on it. Um, but, you know, this governor, DeSantis, went after them. Why? Because they wanted to protect their right to free speech and talk about a bill they disagreed with him on. And for that, they get condemned and punished by the governor. That's not for a free state. That's not what the right thing is. Who the hell goes after Mickey Mouse in right. Florida? Well, he was being I mean, too nice to the LGBTQ community, apparently. They didn't yeah, even like their content. That's um, correct. There's also the issue of those Venezuelan migrants, um, which we're now finding out that the firms, that the people who were coordinating that, there might have been some benefit uh, around Ron DeSantis. Yeah. And there's a history of that. We know that Rick Scott once said he's going to drug test everyone that works for the state of Florida, and his wife happens to own the clinics where they would be tested. Surprise, surprise. There is that sense of government for private benefit, for right. personal benefit, and in this case, cruelty, potentially yeah. for political and private benefit. What would you do as governor to fix that situation? Because those, those folks are already gone, right. and now the state legislature has more money available to continue deporting people from other states. Your, your point is excellent and well made. What you do to stop it is elect Charlie Crist as governor, and then that'll never happen again. <laughs> Because we won't treat people like they're cattle and shipping them off, these Hispanic people who simply wanted to come to a place to have an opportunity to have freedom and seek it. And Governor DeSantis uses them as, as human pawns in a political game, a scheme, really, that is inhumane and uncaring. I mean, one of the people on those planes was, it was a one-year-old baby. Yeah. Another one was a pregnant woman. I mean, who does that? Who's that cruel and, and that laser focused on their own political future instead of the betterment of our fellow man and fellow women? Well, we've got a governor who fits that mold right now. That's why we need to change. Floridians deserve better, and I think we're going to get we're it. At a, we're out of time, but you, you asked him on the debate stage if he's going to stay through a full term if he gets reelected and not run for president. He has now sort of gone a little bit back and forth. Said, oh, I wouldn't run against Donald Trump. Do you believe him that he would full, serve a full term? I don't. I don't. I, I think that if he were to get reelected, he'd be out running for president right away. Uh, but we take care of business on the 8th, and that show is over. We don't have to worry about it. Former governor, congressman, potential future governor, Charlie Chris, thank you very much. Really appreciate you being here.
Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. As the daughter of a maid and a janitor, to have the President of the United States come to Florida to campaign with me, to help me get my message out, isn't that what the American dream is all about? I am joined now by Florida Congresswoman and United States Senate candidate Val Demings. And um, I, I have to point out, uh, Congresswoman, that we are here with a crowd that loves you. And, uh, and I want to point out to our audience that you were supposed to be with us last night when we were supposed to do the live show uh, at another location. So that's why you are not, you're remote now, because you're in my former county, you're in Broward County, where I used to live right now. So I, that is why you're not here. But I, I know folks here uh, miss you, but I know that's why you're not here. <laughs> but well, I'm in your Joy, district, sure so, I'm, great so your in. district is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to be in Broward, so, so, but I tell you, that's my hometown crowd. So welcome to Orlando. <laughs> They're, they're giving you your flowers. They love you. So and, and say hi to my county for me, too, Congresswoman, please. Let, let me start out by talking. And I'm glad you're in Broward because a good friend of mine that actually lives in Broward County and I had a, a, a long talk uh, yesterday. We were talking about turnout, you know, and I am an evangelist. I am a voting evangelist. Anybody who knows me knows I am at my most annoying during election season because I harass everybody <laughs> and I make them vote. I mean, so I'm in the store saying uh, about person behind the counter. Did you vote? You know, and but what I'm hearing in, about Florida, unlike a lot of other states like Georgia and states like uh, Pennsylvania, is that African-American voters are, are voting in, in lighter numbers than one would think with, an, with a black woman on the ballot with somebody who I know is very popular here, yourself on the ballot. I just want to give you a couple statistics here. Uh, in 2018, at this stage, there were about 3,359,000 uh, votes on the table. It's a it's a little down from that now. It's three million two eighty three one twenty one. That's a total Florida absentee vote. It's a, a decline of seventy six thousand votes. Um, you talk about Seminole County. They're seeing low turnout, and that's here, uh, you know, closer to where I am right now. Um, lower turnout. And then if you compare Florida to Pennsylvania and Georgia, it's not quite keeping up. Why do you think that is? And how can you encourage folks in this state to get out and vote? Well, actually, Georgia, Florida's a little ahead of Georgia. How can you encourage vote, folks in this state to vote? 
Well, Joy, I can tell you, I have been on the ground here myself in Broward County, several trips, knocking on doors myself, talking to people who have not voted. As you well know, the last two years has been tough. It's been tough for everybody. But we also know that Florida was hit hard by the pandemic. Florida has been hit hard by uh, hurricanes, natural disasters. And so we are making sure, though, that we get out on knock on doors and talk to people about if we're going to change things, if we're going to make sure that people who have been hit hard, people who have lost their jobs, people who've been adversely affected by climate change and the intense storms that they bring, if people are going to, uh, you know, be impacted by the lack of health care, we're fighting for that. And so we're trying to certainly make voting easier and not harder, talking to people about have a plan to vote, don't wait till election day, which a lot of people do. We're glad that they get out and vote. But we're asking the voters, please do not wait for Election Day. Have a plan. Think about how you're going to vote. Transportation. Make sure of your polling place. And let's get this done. Your opponent, Marco Rubio, um, he is the co-sponsor of what would be a national abortion ban. Lindsey Graham's bill to ban abortion nationwide. He's the co-sponsor. Um, it would create the same law federally that is here in the state of Florida. Is that an issue that comes up when you're talking to folks and you're going and knocking on doors? You know, Joy, it is. Of course, people are concerned about costs. We have a, a lack of affordable housing in Florida a greater lack of affordable housing than we do in New York City and Los Angeles, which is shocking to believe. People are concerned about gas at the pumps. Children are concerned about the cost of tuition or being saddled with debt. Seniors are concerned about the cost of prescription drugs. There's only one party who's trying to do something about that. But the bottom line is, as we talk about the issues that people care about, I have not been in many meetings at all where protecting constitutional rights has not been an issue. Women, we are not going back to a time where we're treated as second-class citizens or property. We're going to fight to protect the right to choose, and that's what voters expect their United States senator from Florida to do. You know, and uh, the Republicans, including your opponent, they're trying to make crime an issue. Uh, crime is not up nationwide. It's not, you know, changed definitively from the, the previous president's era. But they want to run on that. You actually are a former member of law enforcement. It's a bit ironic that they're trying to use that against you. But he is trying to do that. Um, in your view, how many hours will it take after the election for the Republicans to stop talking about crime? Because it, it doesn't seem like it's an issue they care about if they don't care about January 6th. <laughs> Well, and, and, and Joy, look, I served 27 years, as you well know, as a law enforcement officer, had the honor of uh, serving as the chief of police. I certainly did not pick and choose when I wanted to fight crime based on the political climate. We fought crime every day and we were able to reduce violent crime by 40 percent. Marco Rubio only likes to talk about crime when he thinks it is politically advantageous to do it. And you're absolutely right. Doggone it. I was in the Capitol on January 6th. You talk about a day when crime fell on the steps of the Capitol, entered the building and terrorized members of Congress, our leadership and our staff. If Marco Rubio is con so concerned about crime, why didn't he vote for an independent commission to investigate what happened on January 6th? Six. So look, I'm just not talking the talk. I walk the walk.
Let me let me ask you about uh, Marco Rubio's sort of cam- his campaign. He had one campaign member um, who it turns out is associated with white supremacist groups. He was his hospital room after he was uh, hit in uh, when he was campaigning for Marco Rubio, I guess, canvassing for him. And the Proud Boys were literally guarding his hospital room. We've now had members of the Proud Boys who are acting as poll watchers walking around in Miami-Dade. And that's a group that we know was involved in January 6th. Um, they're now getting involved in the Miami-Dade Republican Party. Are you concerned that there's been a merger um, between the extremists who participated in January 6th and the party that you're running against? Well, you know, my mom used to say, we know you by the company uh, that you keep. And I said it on the debate stage, and I'm going to say it tonight. I have been extremely disappointed in Marcos Rubio's performance. His desire, it appears, to win by any means necessary. Yeah, he spoke up quickly about his canvasser who was beat. And look, I said quickly as well that Political violence of any kind is not tolerated. It shouldn't be tolerated any place or at any time. But Paul Pelosi was beat in the head with a hammer. And I, I'm, does Marco Rubio know that? Because somehow I, I haven't heard where he has spoken up and spoken out against that. But, Joy, the bottom line is this. I won't do anything or say anything to win I trust the voters of Florida, and they have a real choice in this race. We ask you to not wait till Election Day. Get out and vote early. If you need more information, you know, Joy, go to ValDemons.com, and let's win this thing so that Florida will have the representation they deserve. Uh, I'm going to ask you one last question, because I know that you uh, you were an impeachment manager during one of the two impeachments of the former president. We are now getting more and more information that John Eastman uh, about what he was doing in terms of trying to involve um, Clarence Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas of the Supreme Court, <laughs> Supreme Court directly in the election. Um, are you concerned that if Republicans take over the House, that the investigations into January 6th will promptly end? You know, Joy, when you are bold enough to say to the attorney general to clear your calendar, uh, I am 100 percent convinced that if the Republicans take over, the investigations will end. And that's why we cannot allow that to happen. Our democracy is at risk. Congresswoman and United States Senate candidate Val Demings, thank you very much. Enjoy Broward County. It is a great place. All right. The Readout Roadshow live. Orlando, Florida. We'll be right back. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops on. TVs streaming. Game console consoling. Smart thermostat set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera. Oh, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go. You are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet, Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators, now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. 
On the MSNBC podcast, How to Win 2024, political experts, former Senator Claire McCaskill and Democratic strategist Jennifer Palmieri examine the campaign strategies unfolding in this all-important election. The focus is on the voters that are not necessarily in your corner now. If Democrats are going to win in 2024, we have to be able to explain what is happening at the border and what the solutions are. Search for How to Win 2024 wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Thursday. On the playground, in the community, in the office, nobody likes a bully. But that's exactly who Ron DeSantis is. Bullying our kids, bullying the LGBTQ community, and bullying Floridians seeking abortion care. We've seen bullies like Ron before. We're not afraid, and we're fighting back. With Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis attacking the LGBTQ community, women's rights, and history itself, Many young people have reacted by getting more involved in politics. My next two guests became politically active following mass shootings. Both are survivors of gun violence in Florida. And I am joined now by Florida congressional candidate Maxwell Frost and Brandon Wolf, survivor of the Pulse nightclub shooting and the press secretary for Equality Florida. Gentlemen, thank you both for being here. Thank you. I do want to start with you, Brandon, because I just played the ad uh, that Equality Florida is running. This issue of making it illegal, unlawful for people to just declare themselves and who they are in schools, it's frightening. It's now spawned a lawsuit. You do have some parents and teachers that are now filing a lawsuit. Um, it, it's hard to believe that a law like that exists in America, right? Can you talk about the impacts that it's had so far? Yeah, it's heartbreaking that we're in 2022, not 1950, talking about whether or not LGBTQ people can be themselves in this state and in this country. Listen, this community knows full well what happens when we allow hatred and bigotry like like what Ron DeSantis has displayed to fester and to grow. It was six and a half years ago that a man filled with that same hate and bigotry charged into Pulse nightclub, an LGBTQ safe space, opened fire and killed 49 people, 49 of our friends, yeah. of our family members. That's what happens when we allow that hate to fester. We're watching it happen across the state. Books are being banned with LGBTQ characters. Rainbow safe space stickers are being peeled off of classroom windows. Miami-Dade County schools decided to reject LGBTQ History Month this year because they said that it was in conflict with the law. And all of that is weighing heavily on teachers who are just trying to teach on kids who are just trying to be themselves and on families who deserve to be respected just like everyone else. You know, and, and Maxwell, meanwhile, the place where you should be the safest in school, right? If you're not fearful that your teacher will get fired or that you as a teacher will get fired because you are LGBTQ, you also have to worry about school shootings. Yeah. We just saw the sentencing, a life sentence for the Parkland school shooter. The parents were very upset about it. They thought the death penalty was appropriate. That's not what wound up happening. Do you think that, I mean, Florida's done more than Texas to try to, uh, you know, beat back gun violence. But do you think that the state has done enough under this governor? No, no, they haven't. And what we know to be true is that just a few months ago, we found out that the leading cause of death for children went from automobile accidents to guns. 
I mean, our children are literally on the front lines of this national tragedy, and our governor has done nothing to solve it. And what we know is that he is scapegoating the most vulnerable communities due to his failures. He hasn't been able to do anything on affordable housing, nothing on gun violence, nothing on ensuring that our people have the resources they need. And so what he's saying is it's the fault of our queer community, the LGBTQ plus community. It's the fault of black folks. It's the fault of Latinos. And we know, we see through it. We lose 100 people a day due to gun violence. And I know sometimes we can get lost in the numbers because we see a mass shooting almost every day on Twitter. But behind every number, there's a person. Yeah. There's a story. There's a family. And we can't lose sight of that. And, and you know, the, it, and, and I'm glad that Pulse was mentioned here, obviously, because whenever we bring you on, you know, you represent the survivors, but also the dead. Like you represent the, your friends that you lost. And that happened in this community. We are here in Orlando, and that would be the district that you would represent. So I want both of you just to talk for a moment about what you think should be done federally. We've seen President Biden take some steps, more than we've seen in like 30 years. Right. But what else do you think should be done? I'll start with you. What would you want to do in Congress to do more to stop gun violence? Well, we know there's a common sense measure that most Americans are for, that most Republicans are for, that most NRA members are for, and that's universal background checks to make sure that guns don't fall in the wrong hands. That's not some radical thing. That's yeah. ensuring that people have a background check before they're given a weapon. And I think that is something that we can pass. Bipartisan support shouldn't just mean what the NRA is for. Yeah. It should mean what the people what the people want. And what we know is the people want to end this senseless violence. And what would you want to see done? What do you think should be done federally? Yeah, well, I agree with Maxwell. Listen, let's do what people want. Let's do what the majority of Americans want. Let's start with, you know, addressing our Swiss cheese approach to background checks. Let's close the loopholes that exist in the system. Let's institute a national red flag or extreme risk protection order to ensure that we can get guns out of the hands of people who are a danger to themselves or others. And yes, I fundamentally believe, because I've come face to to face with the muzzle of an assault weapon that assault weapons and high capacity magazines have no place on our streets and they need to be off. The, you know, the other thing we, we, where we started was talking about the cruelty factor in uh, Republican politics, to be fair, I mean, be honest right now, right? And the, the, the more cruelty, actually, the more popularity Ron DeSantis has been able to, uh, to achieve. And so I wonder, Brandon, for you, for the communities that are at risk for LGBTQ voters, for young voters, for people who are afraid to go to send their kid to fourth grade. Are you worried that the reaction will be to retreat rather than to vote? And how can we turn that around and get young people to vote? That's always the fear, right? And that's the intent of the yeah. cruel policies. They're designed to scare us back into the closet to erase us from communities. And, and honestly, DeSantis's strategy is similar to the right-wing strategy across this country, which is to make things so chaotic, so tempestuous, so overwhelming that people feel like there is no hope in fighting back. But I'm here to tell people our only hope is to fight back. Yeah. Throughout history... Throughout history, we have done the most good work when we've been unafraid, unapologetic, when we've stood up to bullies like you saw in that ad and we said, we're not going to take it. We get to write what happens next in this country. We are the people in a democracy. We get to decide what happens next. And that starts by showing Absolutely. up next week. And Maxwell, I, I have to, to point out another thing that's happening in this state in particular. And um, you grew up in a Cuban-American home speaking Spanish daily, which I wish I could do. I wish I could be fluent in Spanish. I'm so, I'm so mad at myself. Um, but there is a lot of disinformation 
on in language radio yeah. that um, Spanish speakers are getting piped in. And yeah. it's moving a lot of voters. You're seeing some movement that people are believing that Democrats are, are all communists or whatever else is being said. Is there something that Democrats should be doing, that the media should be doing, that the public should be doing? Because disinformation we know is dangerous. We saw what happened to Paul Pelosi. Yeah. I mean, and what we know to be true is there's a long history of Republicans using Spanish radio to work to fuel disinformation in places like South Florida. My mom, my aunt, and my grandma came here from Cuba in the late 1960s. My mom and aunt are in the audience right now. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. But I remember my mom telling me about how that that disinformation was there when she came here. Yeah. Um, and so this has been their plan. And they think because people don't know English that for some reason they're more likely to believe it. And so what we have to do as Democrats is combat it by ensuring that we're spending in those areas and spending with Spanish language media yeah. and not giving up on the voters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that spending piece is important because I think people, you, you, you show your values by where you're willing to spend your money. Exactly. And I think for Democrats, having worked a little bit in campaigns, Sometimes spending on ethnic media goes by the wayside. And then in the end, they're running in the churches being like, can I get on the pulpit because I need to get these voters back? I want to show something to our audience here. Let me see. Can you zoom in on this downtown Sterling Brown, my director? I don't know if you can zoom in. That's his name, downtown Sterling Brown. Um, So this is a beautiful, beautiful thing. You got it. Okay, beautiful. Uh, That I just got from my friend Brandon. And I want you to explain what it is uh, and who made it. Yeah. So our dear friend Ben Johansson made you an Orlando ribbon. Uh, yes, we love Ben. And it stands for a lot of things. But I just want to address, you know, for me, what's at the core of it. Yeah. People know about Florida. Unfortunately, they know a lot about the anti-LGBTQ agenda of Ron DeSantis. They know a lot about Don't Say Gay. This pin not only stands for the 49 people who were stolen from us at Pulse. It helps us remember. It's also a proud declaration that here in Orlando, in this community that's been touched by hate, we proudly say gay. We proudly say trans. We proudly say queer. And we're not going anywhere. So I hope you wear it with pride. I absolutely will. Thank you very much. Uh, please thank the wonderful person who made it. I'm going to not only wear it, but I'm going to make sure it's on the Instagram. It's going to yes. get on the yes. I love that. We're thank going you. to get it onto the gram. Maxwell Frost, Brandon Wolf, uh, two incredible young activists. Give them another hand. A congressman, so you need to know. Thank y'all very much. Tonight's Democracy Defender joins us next on the other side of the break. The Readout Roadshow, live from the Hall of the Yard in Orlando, Florida. We'll be right back. NBC's Ali Vitale caught up with women voters in Broward County near Miami about what is on their minds. So what are you thinking about this time? Uh, DeSantis. Why? Uh, I like him. I like the, what he does. Like He's not afraid to stand up for uh, Florida and what he did during the pandemic. I mean, we were working. I'm not too happy about the abortion thing because mm-hmm. I'm very pro, you know, if you want to, my body, if I want to do something, I should be able to do it. Yeah. That bothers me, but in the instance where we have a certain amount of time, a woman should know if she's pregnant or not, mm-hmm. and she has that a lot of time to go and do it. Number one, uh, women's rights, abortion. Yeah. <laughs> number, number two, uh, losing our democracy is like high on my priority list. I think there are some people who are eager to say that, you know, abortion is not the issue that Democrats thought that it was going to be 
that's not true. I think it is. I think I, I think that's really bad. I think that I think it is the issue. There's someone here too, Ron DeSantis, mm -hmm. who it seems like an issue in this governor's race is, is this a springboard to something else for him, a presidential run? Yes, I do think he wants to run for president, yes. And I do think whether he's governor or president, he's going, he's going to overturn um, abortion in Florida. Joining me now is MSNBC Capitol Hill correspondent Ali Vitali. Ali, my friend, thank you for being here. Excellent job. I saw your walk and talk with uh, Congressman Demings earlier. Well, well thank done. You. But that was interesting listening to you talk to those voters. You're, of course. And the first person that you, the first woman you spoke with, she mentioned the pandemic. We haven't talked a lot about the pandemic during this campaign. Yeah. To what extent, with you, when you talk to voters, did Governor DeSantis not closing restaurants, not closing gyms, and keeping schools maskless, how much is that factoring into whether people support him or don't? It's actually huge, Joy. It's something that I've heard about from a lot of voters, DeSantis voters for sure. But even in the instance of that first woman who said she's voting for DeSantis this time, she was fascinating because she's someone who is not a Republican through and through. She's never voted for Trump. She doesn't want to vote for him, even if he runs in 2024. And she voted for Biden in 2020. So she's someone who looked at DeSantis as a per as a politician in his own right and as someone who kept the state open despite what most other governors were doing, allowed businesses to keep working. She said that was important for her. All of that steers back to the broader issue of the economy in my conversations with voters. But what I also think is fascinating is the ways that there are no clean lines here. For, for example, again, that first voter cares deeply about the issue of abortion, but to her, economy was more important. So again, all the issues that we see playing out in the polls are present in my conversations with voters, but they're certainly not necessarily going in clean party lines. That's not the way it works here on the ground. All right. Well, Ali Vitali, thank you very much. Well done. Thank you. All right. I'm joined now by tonight's democracy defender, Cecile Schoon, who is president of the League of Women Voters of Florida. She's a fierce advocate of easy, equitable voting, and she is fighting for your right to vote free from in intimidation. Thank you for being here, Cecile. Thank you. Give her a big hand. And I know that you're nonpartisan. I know that there are a lot of signs around here, but the organization is nonpartisan. We are absolutely nonpartisan. Tell me what you all do, uh, because everyone's heard of the League of Women Voters. And actually, y'all have been targeted sometimes uh, for we what have. you do. What we do you have. Do? Well, we started because we wanted to get the right to vote for women, which was denied over 100 years ago. And so we realized that we had to fight for the marginalized groups of people. And then once they got the right to vote, we realized we had to educate because they hadn't had that opportunity. Sure. And we're still doing that today. We're, we want everyone to vote who's lawfully able to. But we realize that there are communities that have not had access. So we target those and we provide information to everybody. What is the question you get the most when it comes to a voter who hasn't voted before? What do they want to know? Hmm. They want to know why does it matter? And so what, when someone asks me that question, I look at their situation. If someone has a small child, I say, well, you're taking care of this lovely child. Do you care about their school situation? Do mm -hmm. you care about what's going on, you know, in, in the libraries? And I say, a voter, your vote will determine somebody making a decision about those things. Right. And when you bring it to them personally, 
they usually say, I want to register. I want to vote. Uh, you, you have a voter guide there because one of the things that I encounter a lot back when I used to work in the, on the campaign side is people saying, there's this whole ballot. The only thing I know about it is Obama. Boom, Obama. And then they walk out, right? Because they don't know who all the other candidates are. The exactly. judges, the, the, the school board people. You have a voter guide here. Yes. How do voter guides work? Are they telling you who to vote? Are they explaining who all the candidates are? What do voter guides do? Our voter guide talks about what is on the ballot. We never recommend a party and we never recommend a politician. We just let them give a statement about what their values are. We ask the standard questions and many of them take the opportunity to give us the information and some don't. Okay. So then we just say, go to their website. Yeah. But we also talk about the three amendments that we have to potential to our constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, we give them links where they can go and look for more information. Now, with the amendments, because I know back when I was a Florida voter, the way these amendments are sometimes written, they're written in legalese so that a regular person doesn't even know what they're voting on. Correct. Do, does the League of Women Voters explain what the amendment is in place? Absolutely. Place? That's what we try to do. Yeah. And we just try to let them know if you vote yes, this is a likely this outcome. This will happen, right. If you vote no, this is a likely outcome. Yeah. And we say you know, do your research and do your best. That is the, such a, the most important thing is, is people being informed and feeling informed, feeling empowered. Yes. What would be your message? What would we, Give us your elevator pitch. If somebody says, ah, I don't think voting is important. Why is it important? It is important because it's, it's a fundamental American right. NPR did a study and they said, what do you prize? What do you prize the most? And voting was number one. Mm. So that's just people saying in their heart, that is what they think of when they're an American. Yeah. So when we all vote, we are all putting our voice in and hoping that the representative that's going to meet our needs will be chosen. Yeah. So it, I say that's your opportunity. Don't yeah. complain if you don't vote. That's right. That's right. Don't let things happen to you. You need to be the one making things happen. Cecile Schoon, the League of Women Voters is heroic, y'all. You need to appreciate them. <laughs> Cecile Schoon is our democracy defender. Congratulations on just doing what you can for democracy. Thank, Thank you. you very much. More Read Out Roach after this. I'm going to talk to this crowd. I'm going in. I'm going in. <laughs> Okay, guys, we are back here at the Hall of the Yard. You know what time it is. I'm going into the crowd, and we're going to ask these voters what is the most important issues to Florida voters. What's the most important issue to you, my love? Democracy, nothing without it. You go. Democracy, we had to stand for it. Okay. Women's rights. Okay. Democracy. Okay. Democracy, it's a stake here. I like that flag. Democracy. Democracy. Democracy and voting. Okay, okay. Here we go. Gun violence. All right. Democracy over everything. All right. There we go. There we go. Here we go. We're coming around. I'm reaching over. Here we go. Our right to love who we want to love and our right to be proud of our country. Amen. All right. There we love that. Okay, Democracy go, and women, women's rights. Okay. Love that. Donald Trump arrest. There's <laughs> <laughs> always one. There's always one that says arrest. There's always one. Let's go here. Democracy. You're adorable. I have to ask you. What's the most important thing do you think? Having fun. <laughs> That's the correct answer. That's the right answer. What's the most important thing? Democracy. Democracy. Uh, I'm going to say having fun also. I agree. That's the right answer. Curtailing the erasure of the black conversation in public schools is my biggest thing. That's He's trying to get a show. He's trying to get a show. Women's rights. All right. Women's rights. All right. Reproductive rights. All right. Democracy and voting. All right, we're going to pass. Unity, democracy, 
Okay. And, and fun. Gun violence. Okay. The environment, yes. democracy, and leave a better life. There we go. Ending gun violence. Okay. Reproductive rights. Yes. Democracy and climate change. Democracy and women's rights to choose. There we go. We got the Omega. Reproductive rights. All right. Racial justice. There we go. Women's rights. There we go. Democracy and real freedom. Yes. Democracy. Everything is under the umbrella of democracy. Democracy. Women's rights. Yes. Democracy. Oh, democracy. Right. Now I'm going to run over here. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, I'm coming around here. I'm going to talk really quickly. I'm going to go fast. This is a wonderful group. Here we go. Democracy. Here we go. Someone's religious beliefs should not interfere with my choice of a medical treatment. There you go. I live with four women. Women's rights. There you go. Women's rights to choose. Yes. Democracy and voting. And gay rights. There you go. Democracy. Okay, I'm going to stop right here. You are an abortion provider. Um, Are you hopeful about what takes place in this election? I'm hopeful, uh, but a little bit scared um because um you know it's it's hard because my patients are very very concerned about all of this yeah. they're insulted and they're angry yeah so yeah. and they should be angry because we should own our own bodies that's i think that's an important fundamental thing one last person democracy and our freedoms she was shy <laughs> all right everybody thank you all for joining us here tonight we had such a wonderful time this is a gorgeous place George, thank you very much. Jamal, who owns this place. I want to shout out Robert, who's over there, because he was at the place Ace Cafe, where we were supposed to be yesterday. Thank you. Oh, you at Ace Cafe. Yes. Here's the cheers. All right, guys. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. There comes a point when the right to vote requires a fight to vote. MSNBC Films presents... Battleground Georgia, a story that explores the ugly history of voter suppression and how Georgia is leading the charge against it. Something has to change. The old South is being replaced by the new South. Battleground Georgia, part of the Turning Point documentary series from executive producer Trevor Noah. Sunday, May 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern on MSNBC.